have your Bibles, uh, turn to John chapter 14, verse 12 and 13. An amazing statement by the Lord Jesus Christ. Even a prophecy, I guess. John chapter 14, verse 12 and 13 will be our text to look at today. It's a wonderful text of Scripture, especially for an Easter Sunday. It's also been a perplexing text for people. Let's read it. Verse John 14, verse 12 and 13. Truly, truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do, because I am going to the Father. And whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Now this is a, I said is a perplexing text as well as a wonderful one because it, it, it does make this statement, he that believes in me will do a greater works, not only do the works I do, he will do the greater works than these. Um, and I think that the key to this passage is in verse 12, the last phrase. He will do greater works than these because I am going to the Father. Because I am going to the Father. This would include, of course, the resurrection. Uh, he, he intends by this to say, because I'm going to be resurrected, I'm going to ascend to the right hand of God. And sometimes we forget that uh, Easter is not just about the resurrected Christ. It's about the ascended Christ. It's about the enthroned Christ. And it's about the Christ who gave us his Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, chapter 2, the apostle Peter said in verse 32, this Jesus God has raised up of which we are all witnesses. And therefore being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this which you now see and hear. So the day of Pentecost was the completion of the resurrection and ascension and enthronement and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Jesus never intended to just be crucified. He never intended to just be raised. He never intended to just be, to just ascend back to heaven. If the whole point was going to heaven, he needed not to come. He was already there. But the whole point was to be crucified, to pay for our sins, to be raised up and ascend into heaven and then to give the Holy Spirit, His Spirit, 
to us as believers who receive him. When Jesus was in the earth, Scripture says he was made flesh and dwelt among us. He, he would grow tired. He was mortal. He took on a human body. An interesting verse in John 4, 6 says he was traveling through Samaria and he was tired from his journey. He, he grew tired and hungry. He sent the disciples into uh, the city to buy food. Can you imagine God being tired and hungry? But in his flesh, he was. And in his flesh, he was limited. And basically, he never traveled outside the, the area, the boundaries of Israel. Probably never walked more than 90 miles and so he was limited physically. He was limited nationally. It basically ministered to Israel. He was limited racially to the Jews. Oh, but when he ascended into heaven and gave his Holy Spirit, it was no longer restricted to one nation, one race, and one boundary but now it is for all those who receive him. Jesus has become, in the resurrection, ascension, and outpouring of his spirit, the global Christ for every man, woman, and child. So it says in Ephesians 4.10, He who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens, that he then might fill all things. See, he couldn't do that when he was in the flesh. He couldn't fill all things. He couldn't be in two places at once. But ascending into heaven and giving his spirit, he is everywhere, all the time, in fullness of power and might. Pentecost and the resurrection are just two sides of the same coin. You want the outpouring of the Spirit because that's the point of the resurrection. So when Jesus says here, he who believes in me will do the works I do, notice, because I'm going to the Father, I'm going to give my Holy Spirit, and Christians will be able to reproduce the same works I did because I'm going to be doing them through them. See, that's why he says in verse 13, so whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. He's just continuing through the church, which is his body on the earth, the same works he did when he was in Israel 2,000 years ago. Now, he does not dwell in just one body, but he dwells in the church, the universal global church, which is his body. Look at Ephesians 1.22. It says, He put all things under his feet and gave him head over all things for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all of us. By being in all of us. 
He fills us by being in us, thus making us his body on the earth. So Jesus always, since his incarnation, he's always had body, a body on the earth. Now it's us. We're his hands. We're his feet. We view things as he would have us view them when we are filled and led by his Holy Spirit, which is nothing but the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now this explains why the Christian church has just mushroomed over the past 2,000 years is that Jesus is now everywhere by the Holy Spirit. Uh, You'll notice it says in verse 12, Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will do these works and greater works. It's for believers. Now I say that because there are some who hold today that, that miracles passed away when the apostles passed away. The original 12 apostles that they're no longer miracles because they're no longer apostles. I remember a sign we saw in Texas. A church had put up, a denomination actually, had put up that said uh, that if we can prove a miracle has taken place, they will give, they will pay out uh, $100,000. It was a slam against miracles. I thought, man... I think I'd come up with a better message than that. If you believe in answered prayer, you believe in miracles. But these are for believers. And, and I want to point out, though, that in the church in Rome, Romans 1.8 says their faith was spoken of throughout the whole world, that the church in Rome just exploded in growth. And they measure the church in Rome, the growth there, by uh, looking at the catacombs. Now, the catacombs are these immense underground burial places that um, circumscribe the city of Rome by about three miles. And uh, they go down about four or five stories deep. And they are grave sites. And the, what, what, the way they do to figure out how many Christians they, they, they were in, in Rome, up to about 300 A.D., they counted the catacombs that had distinct Christian markings and found this, that up to one-third at least, up to one-half possible of all Roman burials in the catacombs were Christian by 300 A.D. That is just an explosion of faith in the city of Rome, the capital city. And if you go to Rome today, the town square called St. Peter's Square is where the Roman Catholics gather every Christmas to hear the Pope's sermon. It belongs to the Christian faith. So, How did they do that? Well, I'll tell you, it wasn't the apostles. Because the apostles never made it to Rome except in their later years, maybe. Uh, I I know Paul did. 
But the church was already in existence. Paul writes in chapter 1 of Romans to the book to the church at Rome. He said, your faith is already spoken of throughout the whole world. He'd never been there. What happened? Where did they come to get all this faith and power and influence so that nearly half the Roman population had become Christian by 300 A.D.? Well, you find it in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. There was at Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation. In Acts 2.10, they name them Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Cyrene, and visitors from Rome. They were there on the day of Pentecost, just believers, and were filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit, washed in the Holy Spirit, which was the Spirit of the risen Christ, the ascended Christ. And they went back to Rome on fire for God and changed the nation of Rome. And, you know, the, the gladiators, that was put an end to by Christians. A lot of the things that were so violent and brutal in the Roman Empire, even the slavery in the Roman Empire... This was brought to a conclusion by the influence of Christians in Rome and in the Roman Empire. So how does this happen? Well, uh, there are three things I want to say real quick to you. One, this happens to believers. I say to you, whoever believes in me he will do the works and greater works than I do. In other words, he will step outside the boundaries of Israel. This will now go all over the world. When you believe in Jesus Christ, he says, because I go to the Father and I'll send my spirit, there are baptized in spirit believers now all over the world, little Jesuses. And they know how to pray and they know how to trust God and they know how to walk in the spirit. And there are things that happen you can't explain. So this is for believers. Secondly, look at verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this will I do. The second thing is you, you need to pray. You need to ask. You need to ask God to give you victory. Meet every single crisis with prayer. Every single sickness with prayer. Every single obstacle with prayer. Because when you work, you get what you can do. But when you pray, you get what he can do. Do you see that? He said, whatever you ask in my name, this will I do. Folks, we want what Jesus can do. He can do more in a second than we can together do all year long. That is the power of Pentecost and that is the power of the Holy Spirit in the believers, which is his body who fills all of us by being in all of us. So the Christians faced the gods of Rome. And what happened? 
Well, <laughs> where is Zeus today? Anybody know Dionysius? These were the gods of Rome. Everybody worshiped these gods. Or Artemis, Diana of the Ephesians. Remember in the book of Acts that the townspeople came together and shouted, great is Diana of the Ephesians. And it went on for hours. Well, where's she at today? Do you ever hear anybody stand up and say, you know, I, I just want to share what Dionysius has done for me and my soul? I haven't ever heard that. In fact, we don't even know where to go to worship these gods because the Christians drove them out of Rome and drove them out of the first century and they are ashamed to reappear in the 21st century. The power of the Holy Spirit. These are greater works. Who would have thought that every idol in the earth would come down and that people would be ashamed to worship these gods today? But there's a host of billions of Christians across the world this Easter Sunday morning who are worshiping the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So it comes by prayer. A third thing, it is for the glory of God. Notice verse 13. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. What is that which we can do that can only be explained by the presence of God and answered prayer? Because we're not only to be witnesses of Christ, we're to be evidences of Christ. What is in my life and what is in our church that which can only be explained because God answered prayer. See, that glorifies him. That glorifies him. Some years ago, we had, a, a, I still have, uh, a dear friend named Dan Lohman. And uh, uh, Dan was a pastor and I, I asked him specifically if I could use his testimony. Or I got permission. And he said, go at it. It's what he's for. He was a pastor at Heritage Baptist Church in Grand Blanc. He's now a pastor in Mississippi. But about seven or eight years ago, he began to have symptoms that included severe pain, inability to walk, and... Um, coordination issues and he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis and if you look it up you'll find it says right there on uh, cures that there is no cure for multiple sclerosis and Dan said he got to the point where he couldn't hardly walk he was in pain all the time he, he thought, I've got to resign the church and I've got to find some kind of disability uh, income. And he, he said, I just, we just cried out to God. And one Tuesday morning at a pastor's meeting, Dan walked in and he said, I've been healed. We were all like, 
Okay. Mm. And uh, every Tuesday morning we would meet, and he would he would come in. He'd I, we'd say, "How you doing, Dan? I've been healed." And that was seven years ago. He went to a, a doctor to have it confirmed, and the doctor said, we find no evidence of act, active multiple sclerosis. We do find some scar tissue from the past. And I, I texted him a couple of weeks ago because it's been several years now. You know, if it was just remission, it would have it come back some form or fashion. I said, Dan, how you doing? And he sent me this text. He said, I haven't had any symptoms in seven years and I haven't felt this good in 30 years. Amen. Amen. But there's no cure. Yeah, there is. The Lord Jesus Christ and his ascension and the power of his Holy Spirit can still do miracles today. That's the risen Christ we know. And that explains the church. It explains our worship. It explains our excitement. It explains our faith. And man, I'm glad to be a Christian today. So glad to be a Christian today. And I'm glad you are too. Glad your faith, for your faith, as Paul said, ought oh, to know that resurrection power. Amen. Let's believe God for some great things. And now I know that not every prayer is answered and not every sick person is healed. But we're not going to let that stop us. Just because God doesn't say yes to everything, we're not God. He knows some things we don't. He has some mysteries he hasn't explained. So we'll leave that with him. But it's not going to keep us from asking and praying and seeking his face. Amen. Amen. All right, let's pray together. And ushers, you come and let's worship the risen Christ with our tithes and our offerings. Bow with me as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this day and what it means. And we serve a living God, a risen Christ. And so we bring worshipfully and reverently our offerings to him today. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.
let's stand as we sing. As we close out today, let's lift up this. As we started out with 1 Peter 1, Jesus Christ, our living hope, our hope for tomorrow because he lives. Okay. 
dismissed. Have a blessed week, and we welcome you all to come back next Sunday. Hope to see you then. Y'all are dismissed.